Since I am such an historical person, and that means I have a lot of history, and I also means that I like to study history, I thought it would be good to share some historical information from my high school years. So listen carefully, and you can understand a little bit about the significance of history. May 13, 1965, Housekeeping Monthly offered the following advice to women, what they call the good wife's guide. And May 13th would have been pretty close to Mother's Day, by the way. And, and here's what uh, the advice that they gave to wives. Plan ahead, even the night before, to have a delicious dinner, dinner ready when your husband gets home from work. This is a way of letting him know that you have been thinking about him and are concerned with his needs. Prepare yourself. Put on some makeup. Put a ribbon in your hair and be fresh looking. He's been with a lot of work-weary people. Prepare the children. Take a few minutes. Wash them up. Brush the hair and change their clothes if needed. Remember, they are little treasures. And he would like to see them playing the part. Have a cool or warm drink for him and arrange his pillow and take off his shoes. Over the cooler months, you should prepare and light a fire for him to unwind by. After all, catering to his comfort will bring you immense satisfaction. Let him talk first. Remember that his topics of conversation are more important than yours. Never complain (laughs) if he comes home late or goes out to dinner for entertainment without you. Instead, try to understand his world of strain and pressure and his need to relax. This may be why the women's lib movement got started. (laughs) It really has some nice suggestions for wives in serving their husbands. But it really misses the opportunity for the husbands to serve their wives by loving their wives um, as Jesus loves the church or laying down their wives in a sacrificial way or committing to her until death do us part or caring for his wife as his own body and submitting to one another, just to name a few that happen to be from a Christian perspective. Now, today is Mother's Day and... Um, I have picked the most difficult passage in the Bible to speak on on Mother's Day in Proverbs chapter 31. Uh, I have been told by people like my wife that when she hears Proverbs 31 read out loud, it just makes her tired. I've also been told that it is hard enough when a woman teaches this passage to women It is extremely irritating when a man teaches this passage. (laughs) So, (laughs) with that being said, let's look at Proverbs chapter 31. And I do hope you'll open your text. Proverbs chapter 31, beginning at verse 10. A wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. 
So uh, we begin in verses 10 through 12, and on your outline, our first point is the supreme value of a woman of noble character. The supreme value of a woman of noble character. Um, the Proverbs 31 woman is called a woman of noble character uh, because of um, the, her high character in, in this passage. She has been called the virtuous woman. And what you're going to see here, she's kind of the superwoman, the super mom. And uh, that's why it makes a lot of people tired when they read about her. She is the ideal. By the way, she does not exist. She is not a real person. Okay? And this woman is a married woman, and she has children. And she, uh, this is, these are her circumstances. And, and let's just watch this unfold. Um, one of the purposes that Proverbs 31 writ, was written, uh, this section right here, one of the purposes is, is to teach young men what to look for in a quality woman. And we're going to see how that unfolds. That's one of the purposes. Um, and we're going to see some others as well. So, she is worth far more than earthly treasure in verses 10 through 11. Um, and... I want you to know this too. Proverbs 31 has a very high view of women. A very high view of women. Okay? So a wife of noble character, verse 10, who can find? She is rare. Just like men of noble character are rare. It isn't like there's a whole bunch of noble men and a few. This is a high quality. A virtuous woman. Um, and sometimes, you know, because of her circumstances, it just doesn't seem fair. But let's see what we can learn about her that will benefit us. She is worth far more than rubies. She is more valuable than earthly treasure. You can't put a price on her value because she is a wise woman. And the book of Proverbs teaches that wisdom is more valuable than earthly treasure. And she is a woman of wisdom, and she is more valuable than earthly treasure. Verse 11, her husband has full confidence in her, and she lacks nothing of value. She has a good marriage. And there is a huge assumption here that's kind of not fair for the average person. The assumption is she's married to a wise man, a godly man, a strong leader. Uh, that's a big assumption. And uh, he lacks nothing of value. He has confidence in his wife. He trusts her with the most important stuff that he has in his life, he, with with uh, confidentiality, with ideas, with plans, with his children, with everything that he owns. He has confidence in her. He lacks nothing in value. He, he has no reason to keep secrets. Um, his greatest asset in life is her. And he's a wealthy man, as you're going to see how the story unfolds. He's a wealthy man, and his greatest asset absolutely is her. 
She is truly a counterpart designed by God. And that's what we have in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. When the first woman is created, she's a counterpart. Uh, She's different than the male and way different physically, and that's good. And she's way different emotionally. And she brings strengths to the relationship that he doesn't have and that he needs. And she is an excellent counterpart for her husband. Uh, She is a blessing from God to his life. Verse 12, she adds exponential value to her husband's life. She adds exponential value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. The value is ultimately a spiritual value. She is devoted to her husband and her family. Her life benefits his life. Her own spiritual health promotes the spiritual health of her family. This is one of the things I've appreciated about my wife. There's so many things that she brings as an asset to our family. And, you know, it took me a lot of years to learn this. I'm kind of slow to learn things. But she could see so many things that our kids needed that I didn't see. And she understood uh, their spiritual needs. She understands spiritual needs of other people that I don't always see. Um, She's intuitive and I am not, you know. And she is merciful, and I am not. And that's not very good when you're raising kids, when, when dad just wants, stand up, don't cry. And I'm extremely grateful for God's provision in my life. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. Second uh, main point here, verses uh, 13 through 27 the determined lifestyle of a woman of noble character. And this is one of those, this is the part of the passage that makes everybody tired, okay? Look at verses 13 uh, through 19. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it's still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her task. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp doesn't go out at night. In her hand, she holds a distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. So, wow. I would just say she creatively ensures her family's needs are met. You know what? I know a lot of women like that who creatively ensure that her family's needs are met. Uh, You know, there's a big difference between the 9th century before Christ in a Hebrew culture where this family is very wealthy and where we are today. But she creatively ensures that her family's needs are met. Um, And let me just remind us, this is not a real woman. This is an ideal woman who has these like ideal circumstances around her. It's not like this is what all women are supposed to pursue. This is an example of a woman in her culture who has like everything uh, provided for her and she thrives in it. Um, Some circumstances we control, some circumstances we do not control. 
And again, I want to say, what can we learn from her? So, verse 13, she selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. Wool and flax are to make clothing. Uh, She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She does her research. She goes online. She finds the best deals and she uses coupons. And she makes good food choices for her family. And we go to uh, verse uh, 15. She, She gets up while it's still night. You know, these are the kinds of things that make people tired. It's, uh, you know, she gets up before daybreak. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. Who has servants? She did. It, it says a lot about her background and the circumstances she lived. Where did their money come from? The wealth that they had, was it handed to them? This is not an, an actual person, but this would be like, this is a, somebody to hold up in high honor, not because of what she possesses, but because of how she lives. Um, verse 16, she considers a field and buys it out of her earnings and she plants a vi- vineyard. She's an entrepreneur. She's a small business owner. She saves money from her groceries and buys a field. Maybe not a field. But she's sharp. She's smart. She sets about her work vigorously. She's a hard worker. Her arms are strong for her task. Uh, She is determined. Uh, Verse 18. She sets, she sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp doesn't go out at night. She's a good business manager. She's smart and capable. There's a lot of women like that in this room. You know, Um, she sees, uh, verse 19, in her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. Well, they hadn't invented spinning wheels yet, but this was sort of a primitive way to um, spin uh, um, yarn or, or whatever to make clothes. And uh, she's, the point is here, she's personally involved in making the clothes. Verse 20, she is generous to those who are under, under resource. She opens her hands to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. She opens her arms to the poor, she extends her hands to the needy. In verse 19, she is, in her hands, has work. She's holding the staff. The distaff was like some kind of stick and there was some kind of small wheel and they had to be worked together. And so she's involved and she's working, but now her hands have become generous. They release some of her resources. She's not stingy. She's not self-indulged. She's generous with her resources. Um. I know a lot of women that are generous with what they have. It's not about being married or having children. It's about being a godly woman. Verses 21 and 22. She plans ahead for the future needs of her family. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. And the point is simply she knows that winter is coming and there needs to be a preparedness in her home and she anticipates future needs. 
I know a ton of women like that who anticipate the future and what is needed for their home. Um, their, her, her family is clothed in scarlet. This suggests a high-quality clothing. Scarlet was uh, expensive to have a dye, a clothing made that was dyed with scarlet. It was also uh, perhaps the concept here of double, meaning these were heavier clothes for winters. They were a high-quality clothing of their day. Verse 22, she makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linens and purple, uh, and she cares about her home. And uh, she goes to Target and Shopco and Savers and Goodwill, wherever she can find what's needed for her home. Verse 23, she's a huge asset to her husband. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. Her husband sits all day with the guys down at the club while she does all the work. No, her husband has just as good a reputation as she has. He is a civic leader. He is on the city council, and he also doubles as a circuit court judge. And he has responsibility in their community. Her husband is respected in this city gate. And... His friends know that he married up. She brings a great reputation to his family. And uh, it goes with him as part of his reputation. Verse 24, she is creative with her resources. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She She has more than one side business. She is complex and very talented. Verses 25 through 27, she's a role model to both her family and her community. This is great. She's a role model. She is clothed with strength and dignity. This is her reputation. She's a strong woman. She has a strong character. She is strong spiritually. She walks the talk. She is a woman of integrity. She's not worried about the future because she's done the things that are in her control to do. And she knows there are things that that are out of her control that are not up to her to solve. Verse 26, she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She is a godly woman. She is a spiritual mentor. She dispenses wisdom, which is chakmah, the Hebrew word for wisdom. And wisdom is the art of skillful living. And this woman is wise, and she has learned how to apply wisdom in her own family, how to live wisely. She speaks with wisdom. And faithful instruction is on her tongue. She's a mentor. She knows the scriptures. And she's able, and able, able to teach the scriptures to other women and to uh, her children. She speaks with wisdom. And faithful instruction is on her tongue. Verse 27. She watches over the affairs of her household And she does not eat the bread of idleness. She's obviously not a lazy person. 
She's a supervisor of people. She's an excellent manager and administrator. She is a leader of many. That's how people like this get to be CEOs sometimes of, of huge companies. Women are highly talented and highly skilled. And it's Proverbs 31 has a very high view of women and their capabilities. And we're reading this from the ninth century before Christ in her culture, in her time. Verse uh, number three, we go to the last section, verses 28 through 31. The stirring approval for the woman of noble character. First of all, 28, her family will extol her. Her children arise and call her blessed. One day, her kids will get it. Moms, I hope you get encouraged that one day your kids, even if they don't see it during a lot of years, they'll get it. The things that you did, the sacrifices you made, the love that you gave, the wisdom that you had, her children will rise and call her blessed. Her husband also, he praises her. Guys, try praising your wife. Not criticizing her. One of the things we talk about in premarital counseling is that, you know, generally, when people get married, most, uh, when people get married, usually they're uh, pretty happy with about 80 to 90% of their partner. They really like them. In fact, they love them. In fact, they want to be married to this person for a lifetime, and they promise to do that. And then there's about 10% or maybe 20% can fluctuate a little bit that they're not perfect people, and they do have some weaknesses. But what happens in marriage is after you're married a little while, you begin to think about the weaknesses nearly all the time. And what do you do? You focus on the weaknesses, and that's what you talk about. And it just seems like such a critical environment. Instead of saying, honey, I love you, and here's a whole list of things that you are really good at. Because, you know, when we praise, it encourages, it builds up. And this was a wise husband. He wasn't married to a perfect woman. She was nearly perfect, but not perfect. Verses 29 through 31, this will be a surprise. God will celebrate her. Verse 29, many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. This woman is held up really high in the book of Proverbs. In fact, this book of Proverbs about wisdom is going to close with a woman. Because she is the highlight of the book of Proverbs, of living out wisdom. If you go back to Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, it's called the prologue. And it's all about learning wisdom and teaching it to the family. We're going to end with the very last section in the book of Proverbs about wisdom. And it's a woman that illustrates it. There's a lot here for us to learn about this. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Who's speaking? It's God. The writer is speaking, and through the Holy Spirit, God is uh, highlighting and giving praise to this woman. Verse 30. Charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. This is the high point of Proverbs 31. 
A woman of the Lord, a woman who fears the Lord, is to be praised. Some things are temporary. Charm is deceptive. It can, uh, you can look at the outer package and figure that everything is good. And it can be a little deceptive because the inner package may not be like that. Beauty is fleeting. Beauty is great. Choose beauty. But it's not the most important thing because it's only temporary. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. This, this woman who fears the Lord is a role model for everyone. Whether you're young or old, whether you're married or single, whether you're rich or poor, she is a model of wisdom. And her outlook and her influence are based on her wisdom and the fear of the Lord. It's the key to the whole uh, section here. Verse 31. Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. This is a woman to be held up as an example. Not for all the things that she's done, not for the high energy she has, but for her wisdom, for her fear of the Lord. She has taken wisdom in her circumstances when she had a family and she had servants and she had financial resources and she applied wisdom to her situation. It isn't about what your resources are. It's about applying wisdom to your situation. Can you do that? Wisdom comes from God. It's the art of skillful living. Anyone who lacks wisdom... All you have to do is ask God, and he gives to all men and women liberally. James 1. Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise to the city gate. She will be valued. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. This is really the theme of the book of Proverbs. Everything the book of Proverbs teaching is wrapped around this. And this is how Proverbs 31 ends, wrapped around this, illustrating this. It begins with this. This is in the middle. And it ends with the fear of the Lord. It's living with His principles, submitting to His Lordship, submitting to his word and following his instructions. So, the Proverbs 31 woman is a picture and an illustration for us of living in wisdom. It's our job, all of us, to fear the Lord and pursue wisdom. It's our job to ask God to show us how to apply wisdom in our own circumstances. Every one of us is in a different place. And God will give you wisdom to live in your situation in a way that honors him. Let's uh, pray together. Father, I want to thank you uh, for this Mother's Day. And I thank you for Proverbs 31. Lord, I confess that when we look at this uh, woman's life and see the energy and the Abilities she had, it, it can be overwhelming just to think about what she accomplished. And yet the most important thing is fearing the Lord and gaining wisdom. 
And each of us can respond to you, um, trusting you, valuing what you say and what you tell us and what you've provided for us. Each of us can grow in our fear and honor of the Lord. And each of us can grow in wisdom. Help us to um, learn wisdom, to be able to live life skillfully by applying wisdom from day to day. God, we see uh, this in this passage such a high value of women in our world and what you've given them and what they bring to our lives. And we just praise you for that and we thank you for that. Thank you for the women in this room. Thank you for wives and mothers. Thank you for the single women. May we who are husbands grow in our ability to love our wives and to give praise to them. And may those uh, men who are single and one day want to be married, may you give them wisdom to pr- in finding the right woman for them. Thank you, Father, uh, for your word. Thank you for the Proverbs 31 woman. In Jesus' name, amen. As we close our service this morning, we are going to look at a, another concept of wisdom that is given in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 when the Apostle Paul talks about the wisdom of God and the power of God are found in Jesus Christ. And we're going to close our service by remembering that, that the, sometimes the cross seems like foolishness to our world, but it is the power of God and the wisdom of God for us who believe. God has uh, instructed us to remember how important this is when we share in communion, when we take the bread and we take the cup and we hold them and we remember that the, the bread represents the body of Jesus who died for us, and the cup represents the blood that was shed on our behalf at the cross. And we just go back and focus on what Jesus has done for us, and we say, thank you, God. Thank you for what you did for me. Thank you for forgiveness of sins. Thank you for a new life. Thank you that we are connected with God now, and we we truly can learn wisdom. So uh, scripture tells us also in 1 Corinthians 11 that before we share in this, uh, wor- this act of worship, that we need to make sure that everything is okay uh, between God and us. And scripture says, let a man or a woman examine themselves before they share in this time. Because it's detrimental to us if we do not examine ourselves. We need to, we need to be clean before God, spiritually cleansed. And we do that by having our sins confessed. So let's just pause right now and you just take um, some time to reflect right now. Are you and God okay? Is there any sin that you need to confess to God before you share in this time of communion with your church family? Let God search your heart. Ask him to show you if there's anything that would be appropriate for you to just silently and privately before God talk to him about it. Ask for his forgiveness.
Will those who are going to serve communion please uh, come to the front and be prepared? And our Father, I just want to thank you uh, for the bread that represents the body of Jesus. Thank you that he was willing to sacrifice himself and give himself for us. We thank you for the cup, our Father, that represents the blood of Jesus. And we are reminded that it was his blood at the cross that paid for the penalty of our sin that his life was given for our lives and that his life is infinitely valuable and that our penalty is paid in full and your wrath was totally satisfied at the cross in judging sin and judging our sin. And because of that, we can be forgiven and we truly praise you for that. Thank you for the bread and thank you for the cup. In Jesus' name, amen. So our communion is open uh, to anyone who considers themselves a follower of Christ. And uh, when you're ready, you can just uh, come forward and uh, take the the, uh, bread and the cup and go back to your seat. And then you can take it whenever you're ready.